Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of CX Cast. I am your co-host, Deanna Laufer, along with my co-host, Sam Stern. Hello. And today we are joined by senior analyst on the customer experience team, TJ Kitt. Welcome, TJ. Thanks for having me. TJ is going to talk about a report called Customer Success Management is the Key to Outstanding B2B Customer Experiences. Pretty unequivocal, TJ. <laughs> we try to be definitive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see if you can hold that up in the uh, podcast today. Why don't we start by a little bit of definitions for those who are not familiar. What is customer success management? Can you tell us a little bit of background? Sure. So it's an emerging discipline that's coming out of the tech industry, principally focused on subscription-oriented SaaS sorts of companies. Um, SaaS being software as a service? Correct. Just thinking of my uh, my parents who are listeners, for example. <laughs> yes. So Don't give me any SaaS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not uh, sassy in that fashion. Right, right. Um, but the discipline was, it was basically built out of the idea that it is less expensive to grow your business if you're able to maintain and continuously sell to your existing customers than to have to go out and acquire new customers. What a novel concept. What a novel concept. <laughs> so the really the role was built as initially to fight churn. Mm. And it does this by trying to manage three different things. First, they try to manage the relationship with the customer. And how we describe relationship management in this context is to do two things. One is to provide a point of contact for the customer that's not sales, to help them navigate the organization and also to understand what they bought. So if you think about a sales function, for example, what they are trying to do is really just grow the business. Yeah, They, they plant the seed and they're trying to harvest the yield. So anything outside of that core function of growing the business becomes things that are less of a priority. Yeah, that's a really important point that if you call the sales rep at the company who you have their software installed or whatever it is, right. Their bias is towards, oh, customer has a problem. I will sell them something to solve their problem. Exactly. And the customer success manager sounds like, customer has a problem. I am empowered to help them use our ecosystem of people here and resources to solve that problem. Right. Many of which are already things they bought from us. Right. So the, so yes, so the point of emphasis is, I am going to help you get the most out of this relationship yeah. as opposed to, you're going to help me get the most out of your business. <laughs> <laughs> nice, um, nice. So that's that's one element of the role. It's that really kind of that point of contact, help me navigate the organization, help me understand what I bought and use it effectively. The second part of the relationship management piece is to act as a coach for the hmm. client. So you've purchased this thing, but now you have to figure out how best to apply it to your particular business. And so there are many things that companies stumble over you know, as they try to figure mm. out how to use these products and services that a customer success manager is really meant to step in and help them solve. So you have these initial phone calls with the client where you say, what are your 30, 60, 90 day goals? And then based on these goals, what are the things that you need to have in place from an internal management perspective? from a tool utilization perspective, and from a relationship within the vendor organization perspective. And let's build a plan in order for you to begin using these things. And then I'm going to come back periodically and tell you how you're doing. Yeah. And whether you're on path to meet your 30-day goals, your 60-day goals, your 90-day goals, because I, as a representative of the vendor, understand that if you don't receive value in using our products or services within 90 days, chances are you're not going to renew. And you recognize that if you're not giving value to your business from this purchase within 90 days, 
you might face some internal political challenges and perhaps even yeah. job-oriented challenges. My uh, analogy here will be that sounds like an expensive gym saying, we're going to give you a free trainer because we think you'll get more value and make more progress in your fitness and exercise goals with someone keeping track of you. Right. For a lot of people, it's the What's going to motivate me to go to the gym? Well, if there's a guy there telling you, you should come to the gym, let's do these exercises, and you'll, you'll hit this goal. Well, that's going to be more of a motivation than trying to sort it out on your own. Right. So that's one element of the CSM, or customer success management role. The second that we talk about in the upcoming report is this idea of being a solution manager. So a lot of people think about solutions management as, I'm going to figure out the best way of cobbling together a bunch of things and throwing it at you. There's an element of that in this construction, but really what we're focusing on in terms of solution management is I as a vendor have sold you something that you're going to use as a solution to some business problem. Let me make sure that the solution actually lives up to what you thought you bought. And so I'm going to do that by laying out, much in the same way that we do, we talked about in the relationship building part of it, I'm going to lay out a set of things that you're going to need to do as a company using our products and services in order to get the most value. So there are artifacts that usually you generate as a solution manager. Um, so you see in many companies that there is a clear handoff of the customer's goals and expectations from the pre-sale period where you yeah. have a salesperson, sales engineers writing these things down that's then given to the customer success manager hmm. that then go into what is commonly referred to as a success plan. So let's lay out a plan for you of all of the things that you are trying to achieve mm -hmm. and the things that we're going to do for you in order to make sure that you hit those those marks. So if you look at a company like Zwara, for example, which is a subscription billing technology provider, one of the things that they have as an organizing principle for their organization is these key tenets to what a successful subscription business looks like. So that's essentially what they sell you in the pre-sale period. They yeah. tell you, we're going to make you a successful subscription business. Then they take that construction and they align your goals to those elements. Mm. And then they pass those to a customer success manager whose job it is is to come back periodically and say, well, are you actually on track to become a successful subscription business? This is your success plan in order to do that. So that's one big element of solutions management. Are we on the right path? The second element of solution management is when something does go wrong, let me intervene on your behalf to make yeah. sure that we mm -hmm. marshal all of the resources of the business to get you back on the right track. And this, again, kind of goes counter to the role of sales. So if you are depending on a sales team to play this role for your business, that's not what they're incented to do. Right. You know, they're not incented to spend their time. And actually, it's counterproductive based on their, their mission for the business to try to figure out, okay, so is this a problem for engineering? Is this a problem for support? Right. Should I be bringing in an executive to escalate to that level? Let me go ahead and manage the escalation for you. Right. So that we can make sure that we drive toward a concrete solution to this problem that you present to us. So and this goes back a little bit to the single point of contact thing, which is you're right. having a problem. We don't know where in the organization the problem is, but the CSM is going to help manage that and be your advocate to do that rather than right. the customer having to navigate the political minefields themselves. Right. It's that, to your point, Deanna, that um, I am going to be your advocate within the business. Mm -hmm. And then the third element that's important here is what we refer to as engagement management, which is this idea that we recognize that you can't be successful if you don't engage with our business, if you don't use our products, if you don't right. use our services, and if you don't talk to us. And so a lot of, <laughs> a lot of um, the companies that we spoke with for this report have created metrics that say, 
this is the minimum level of engagement that you need in order to be successful. We know that if you fall below this, that you have high risk of churning. So we're going to do everything in our power to keep you above that minimum level of engagement. That minimum level of engagement becomes what is commonly referred to in this discipline as the customer health report. Mm. So are you using the product? Are you using the features that are in your goal plan, in your success plan? Are you submitting a high number of tickets, which would indicate problems? Are you attending our events? Are you paying your bill on time? Are you providing us references? All of these things and more Mm -hmm. can become part of that construction of the customer health report card, which, you know, then has weighted elements and then produces a score. So if you think about this in the customer experience context, context and kind of what customer experience manager, customer experience management principles dictate, what you're really talking about here is measuring the quality of the experience in ways that take into account both, you know, traditional methods like a relationship survey or an NPS survey, as well as a lot of, you know, kind of atmospheric readings. You know, so what is going on in the customer's environment? putting those things together and then tying them concretely to what is kind of the the notion of what makes the customer successful and then what makes that relationship successful for our business, i.e. the customer doesn't churn. Okay, that doesn't sound complex at all. (laughs) (laughs) So, I I mean, you talk about everything they're doing. Mm -hmm. The thing that sort of pops into my head is, yikes, (laughs) before there was a customer success manager role, Right. How did any or all of this get done? And I'm wondering, is there sort of an origin story here to the, the yeah. this role? And it was there sort of a, a major problem that they had to, that they right. got conjured up to solve? Right. So the major problem really is a kind of a problem that still bedevils most companies. Yeah. There's a highly managed pre-sale period <laughs> in which a marketer finds a lead, qualifies it, sticks it into the sales funnel, and then the sales team captures it puts on their sales magic, and then pulls it through the funnel as a signed contract. And in that process, though it is overly simplified, there are a lot of things that are promised. Yeah, There are clear <laughs> roles that are spelled out. So here is your salesperson. Here is the economic buyer on the client side. Here are that buyer's goals. Here is the person that that buyer is going to talk to. And here's what we are theoretically going to deliver to you. That becomes your signed contract and the agreement. But then there is this chasm mm-hmm. in which all of that stuff falls as you transition <laughs> to the post-sale period because on both sides of the aisle, on the side of the vendor and on the side of the client, a new group of stakeholders emerge. And this is a particular issue in the B2B market because the economic buyer isn't always the person who's then responsible for implementing, onboarding, using, and supporting what right, they've acquired. Right. So in that transition period where all of these things are lost, that can then become the downfall of the relationship because... Now I have an IT administrator, just to use kind of the IT example, who has now been told that we have to implement this thing, and they have no clear reason as to why it's being implemented. (laughs) They have no clear view as into what the business intends to do with it, Um, and they have no real kind of idea on how they should be working with this vendor if it's a net new vendor. Yeah, and their only point of contact is the salesperson. (laughs) And their only point of contact. Yeah, it's it's an important understanding of you're not being transitioned necessarily. It was still the salesperson, the account manager on the vendor side. It was the transition, and this is not a B2C problem necessarily. So this is a unique B2B problem that it was transition from the buyer who heard all those promises made (laughs) and people identified that would help to the users who Mm -hmm. did not hear, get all that information firsthand. Right. And I'm sure as we are all employees of companies, We have all been the end user of something that the company has purchased Mm -hmm. that you're trying to figure out what exactly, how is this going to make my life better? (laughs) Yes. And so so there's a lot of that that's kind of at the core of this 
customer success management discipline. It's that these companies realize that if we're going to be successful over the long term, particularly as we move into business models that say theoretically the client can move fairly easy because there is no perpetual license, there's no software installed on their premises, they can kick their ball and go to someplace else pretty pretty easily, that we need to do more to ensure that all of those things that we talked about in the pre-sale period happen in the post-sale period, and that it's clear to everyone in the post-sale period why these things are happening. And so that's that's kind of the genesis, genesis of the role and why we think it's interesting in this customer experience context because what we're really talking about here is managing an experience in an end-to-end fashion. What yep. we did, what we built in the value promise in the pre-sale period becomes the deliverable in the mm-hmm. post-sale period. And there is a entity within the company who's responsible for owning and orchestrating that post-sale period, much in the same way that companies have done a fairly good job of figuring out how to own and orchestrate what happens in the pre-sale period. Yeah, I mean, that really helps me to understand it. I mean, thinking about how managed and um, structure the pre-sales processes from a, a vendor's perspective, bringing right. that same sort of discipline to the post-sales right. process. A lot of our clients are B2B clients, and they have customer experience practices, and mm-hmm. now they're mm. starting up customer success management practices. Is there room for both? What have you seen as the relationship between these two functions within an organization? Well, I think the commonality really comes down to customer experience management, you know, so an area that's near and dear to your heart, Kiana. <laughs> <laughs> so if we look at, you know, customer understanding, if you look at prioritization, design, delivery, and, you know, measurement. Measurement, culture. culture. <laughs> look at all of those elements. You um, remembered all the disciplines. <laughs> remember the disciplines. Yeah. Um, there is a role that customer success managers play in each one of those areas, you know, so if you just if you're talking about customer understanding, you know these are the people that are running your customer communities. These are the people that are doing quarterly business reviews with your clients. These are the people that are you know, doing kind of frequent customer checkpoints, you know, on a weekly or maybe a monthly basis to mm. figure out what the customer is going through, how they're using the products and services, and so on. If you're talking about the prioritization stuff, mm-hmm. you know, these are the guys that are actually, in many cases, running the customer experience improvement initiatives because they're responsible for orchestrating what happens in the post-sale period. So they're going through and saying, what do we need to do in order to make sure that this customer is actually having a good experience? We're talking about design. These guys are providing the feedback loop in the product. Tells the product guys, these are the features that people are using. These mm-hmm. are the features that aren't using. This is what's working in onboarding. This is what's not working in onboarding. Let's this is how we go about fixing these products and, and designing these processes to work better for clients. We're talking about delivery. I mean, the entire role is really about orchestrating the delivery of the experience, making sure the client is using what they purchase, making sure that the client's getting the value out of it, and then bringing together the organization and dictating the movements of different parts of the organization to ensure the client gets that value. And then if we go into measurement, we talked about customer health. You know, So they're inventing new ways of thinking about how you want to evaluate the quality of the experience mm-hmm. for the customer. Um, if we're talking about um, you know, kind of the cultural piece of it, you know, much the, kind of the stuff that Sam talks about, you know, what you begin to see in these organizations are rituals that are put into place to ensure that we have a frequent cadence of interaction with the client, that we are providing a seat at the table for somebody whose sole responsibility is to act as the customer's advocate in all these conversations around support, around product design, product delivery, and so on. So you see these things begin to come together under the customer success management role. The role for customer experience vis-a-vis this is to learn from what the customer success management entity can do, but then also to ensure that what those CSMs are doing 
know, kind of feeds back into the organization in a, in a fruitful and productive way. So if I look at kind of how Forrester has tried to build out its own customer success management entity, our customer experience team was was very involved in terms of trying to craft the process for things like that feedback loop that we were talking about mm-hmm. or looking at what the customer's journey actually is and seeing where the gaps are in the journey where a customer success manager can be appropriately applied or looking at, you know, kind of that, um, you know, internal journey, the employee journey to see where employees are perhaps missing some context or understanding of what's going on with the customer and bringing that insight back in and seeing how that customer and that employee journey intersect in ways that then become in a natural place for you to stick a CSM as an intermediary between those two groups. It does seem like it's, um, you know, putty to cover over cracks and many, you know, journeys like, oh, we've got a problem here. Well, a CSM can at least temporarily, or maybe it's a permanent solution, solve that for us or between separate journeys, right? It, you know, we've been talking about the pre-sales and the post-sales process mm-hmm. being a bad handoff. Well, if you have a CSM responsible for transitioning your client into a productive post-sale relationship with the vendor, that really helps with that integration between journeys that is so often expressed as a pain point by our clients. Right. I can't say this enough. If I were to have a a complaint about how even we at Forrester have talked about the customer experience role, it is to talk about it in absence of some direct relationship to the things that executives care about, Mm -hmm. revenue growth customer retention, you know, churn reduction, things of that nature. And what the customer success function is really rooted in is this idea of taking CX management principles that we talk about in our, you know, kind of 30 different practices and applying them very specifically to a business goal that all companies have. Let's retain our customers and if possible, let's sell them more stuff. That marriage in my opinion, makes customer experience that much more important as a discipline. It's just termed something differently. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. And I think customer success function is bringing to life in a very active way a lot of the things that a customer experience team talks about, but is maybe not empowered to act on directly. Right. It's that we think about how a lot of our customer experience clients talk about their role. They often say, you know, we don't want operational control or we don't have operational control over certain things. And what this function is telling you is, or kind of demonstrating, I should say, is that it is possible to exercise control. And there's actually a lot of opportunity for a customer experience professional to exercise control over elements of the customer experience because there are large parts of it that just cry out for some sort of management or oversight. (laughs) Yes, I, th- I don't think any CX professional would disagree with that last part of your point, right? <laughs> that, that, that it's crying out for more active management. They just don't want to be the ones to do it. But I think I think you're, it's, a, it's a reasonable pushback to, to CX pros. Great. Well, thanks, TJ, for, for joining us again. Always great to have you in the studio. Always great to be here. And again, for those who want to learn more on this topic, you can look at TJ's report, Customer Success Management is the Key to Outstanding B2B Customer Experiences. Thanks again, TJ, for joining us today. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.